Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. Tonight's teaching is the Dukkha Sutta, Personal Experience of Ignorance, Samyutta Nikaya 38.14, as restored by John. On one occasion, Venerable Sariputta was in Malacca. The wanderer, Jambukadika, approached with a question. Wise friend, when speaking of stress, which forms of stress are referred to? Friend Jambukadika, there are three forms of stress. The stress of pain, the stress of fabrications, and the stress of change. These are the three forms of stress. So, Sariputta's answer to Jambukadika is not really a a sharp division of stress. He's showing him three different points of view as to how to how to see stress, how to look at stress. And he starts with the stress of pain. As in the first noble truth. Birth, aging, sickness, and death is stressful. Because we live this life as human beings will be exposed to these things that afflict us bodily and mentally. Anything from a stubbed toe to terminal cancer to physical threats, to mental afflictions, to grief. Death of a parent, death of a child, seeing someone close to you get lost in Alzheimer's. All these things in life touch us. They causes varying degrees of pain and stress. 
And all of these things bring out a wider range of feelings. And at any time, we can decide whether this stress, these feelings, is mine, is myself, is who I am. Second kind of stress, the stress of fabrications. And this goes back to dependent origination from ignorance of vulnerable truth as a requisite condition come fabrications. Because we don't understand how reality functions and how we should function in reality, we keep coming up with these dysfunctional strategies to get what we want out of life. And if the strategies don't work, we'll do it again, hoping for a better outcome. Or we'll come up with something else, equally dysfunctional. And that that dysfunction, that, that inability to, to deal with life is stressful. It just is. For, I can't tell you how many decades, I used to buy or get given these junky old cars because that's all I could afford. And um, I had this great dysfunctional thought that I could keep them going, you know, and that I should be keeping them going. And, um, you know, whatever strategy I could find, you know, old used parts, used tires, um, scrounging gas here and there, and working with you know, a, um, a minimal tool set, no, no manual, and basically no understanding really how, how a car and how a, a machine really works. I'm, I'm pretty good at this, but still, I keep coming up against this, this basic ignorance of what am I dealing with here? How is it supposed to work? You know, 
how I supposed to, what's the sequence of fixing something like that, you know, how? And, um, you know, I spent God knows how many late nights, you know, crawling around in the dirt underneath the car, you know, trying, you know, trying to, to, um, to deal with this, you know, deal, the reality is I need a car. The other part of reality is the car is not working. So, you know, what do I do? And, and, uh, you know, that was a, a good chunk of stress for a long time. And, but it comes out of, and it comes out of ignorance. You know, in this case, a very basic ignorance of, I don't know how this works. No. Um, and it is extremely stressful. This, so, this is stress caused by a fabrication. The fabrication is, I can do this, I should do this, you know, I have to do this. And that again comes out of ignorance. Because there are other ways of doing this, you know. But, um, this is how fabrications lead to stress. So the fabrication there was you thinking that you should be something that you're not. Meaning in that moment you should know how to build a car. Yeah, I, I, I should be a mechanic here. But um, you're not. You know, and I'm not. You know. And so it's yeah. a normal stressor in life, but you were taking it personal in that moment. I take, yeah, I'm taking it very personally. Um, yeah, and there is there are other fabrications that come with that. You know, the fabrication of you know I don't want to spend money on 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 a mechanic. You know, uh, you know, and and the fabrication of I can do this. You know, I'm 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 competent. There's another fabrication. Right, just the fabrication that my car should never break down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After a while, I realized that that. That, that fabrication went away. I started to, you know, started to become really clear that as long as you have cars, you know, and at one point I had, you know, I added up the, uh, the miles on, on the four cars that were there, and I came to something like half a million miles. <laughs> so, you know, guaranteed, guaranteed. That so another way to look at that would be you had a lot of success with cars to get that many miles out of them. Yeah, I did not put all those half a million miles on it, you know, by the time I got them, you know, and started working on them, there was a half a million miles on it. Uh, but yeah, there was, the other part of it, uh, the, the, the unstressful part was, um, it, when, you, when you actually, when you're successful at this, when you actually keep them going, um, there's there's a, a sense of fulfillment there, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. But if you compare, you know, how much of that you get versus the stress that you get, um, I think it's a losing game. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and and we we've all you know played that game at that at some point. 
you get thrown into a situation where um, where you realize that you don't you don't know what's going on, but you have to somehow do something effective. Um, and that by itself is is a is a very stressful thing. I mean, that's, that that stress goes deep, you know. In yeah, in, in a lot of work situations, pardon? These these are all just ordinary occurrences arising and passing away that, that they we are. intersect with. Right, but we take them personally. Yeah, yeah. And, and therein lies the problem. And therein lies the problem. And, and the third stressor that Sariputta speaks about is the stress of change. The stress originating from resisting change, from resisting impermanence. Any time that we try to negate the obvious fact of impermanence, we cause stress. Whether it's an impermanence that we notice in the world around us or the impermanence of our idea of ourselves, who we are. Anytime we want to negate that impermanence, we're heaping stress on ourselves. As the Buddha says, it follows like the wheel of the cart follows the hoof of the oxen. Does the stress or misunderstanding of change cause the fabrication? That slips in there right away um, yeah you cannot you can't really negate that stress or try to negate that stress without coming up with some kind of fabrication mm -hmm. about it um, yeah that sits right in there so you see how, how uh, these these three categories are really you know inter intertwined um, in the stress of pain you still have there's a, an aspect of impermanence that you're you're trying to deal with um, so yeah it's um yeah that that seems like the three marks of existence mm -hmm. yeah dukkha pain, pain like you'd said you know birth aging sickness mm -hmm. sorrow regret pain those are all dukkha. That's, that's dukkha. And then you have impermanence. Stress of fabrications, which is, you know, anatta. Which is anatta. So. And, and then anicca. And you have impermanence come there too. Change. And yeah. He weaves it in there um, without without even, yeah, almost without using the, yeah. uh, the, the three marks, yeah. but uh, it's, it's in there. Um, and, and again, you see how they, you know, 
it all intertwines. It's 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 a network of things. You know, the Buddha taught in Saturday's class on the Mahabhuka Kanda Sutta that it defines different aspects of stress, and then he concludes each reference to that is all of this is just stress. It is so all the things that we're talking about mm -hmm. is still just under that category of stress. Yeah, I remember <clears throat> a couple of years ago when we started um, one of our first uh, long uh, studies. Uh, one of my questions to you was like, you know, this this dukkha thing, this stress thing. You know, yes, I I know some of it, but uh, I don't I don't quite get all of it. I didn't, I didn't see all the interconnections yet, mm. but coming out of that that structured study, there was there was a lot more uh, understanding of how how stress weaves in and out of, of impermanence and and not self. Mm. That was very helpful then. These are the three forms of stress. Wise teacher, is there a path, a practice, for the full understanding of these forms of stress? Yes, there is a path, a practice, for, the developing, for developing a full understanding of these three forms of stress. The path is precisely the Noble Eightfold Path. Right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, right meditation. This, friend Jabukadika, is the path, the practice for the developing of full understanding of these three forms of stress. This path is an auspicious path, an auspicious practice for the full understanding and abandonment reacting to these three forms of stress and the development of moment-by-moment moment refined mindfulness. End of suit. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. Yeah, there's a lot in this little suit. Well, it also points to the commonality of dukkha, the defining characteristic of life. Mm -hmm. it's, just, it's just here. It's here. It's not, it's not happening to me. It's happening because I'm here. Yeah. If I wasn't here, it wouldn't be happening. Yeah. It would be happening to someone else. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's just that, you know, that refined mindfulness. This is what this mind is focused on, mm -hmm. this life. And if, this, if I wasn't yeah. having this life, there wouldn't be any dukkha arising yeah. or opportunity. I remember once, I forget in what kind of talk I was in, uh, and somebody said, would you be as upset if this thing, that, that I forget who was upset about it, if, if it was happening to somebody else? Oh, no. <laughs> don't, you know, don't take the stress personally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And 
this practice is the practice of dealing with stress. That's the whole point of the Eightfold Path. I teach stress. I teach the arising of stress. I teach the ending of stress. That is all that I teach. Thank you. Um, Ryan, on behalf tonight. Good. Thanks for the teaching. Um, yeah, I, I was picking up the uh, the three marks of existence as well. And, and the other thing that was coming through to me was from either Saturday or last Tuesday, the uh, the defilements mm. of greed, aversion, and deluded thinking. How it, it just kind of it's a facet of, of this of these three as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the fabrications are 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 in in that kind of corner. Right. Um, yeah, very interesting. Thank you. You're welcome. Kevin. Hi, Rob. Nice to see you tonight. Um, everybody's sort of taking the words and thoughts uh, right out of my mouth from what Brian just said and mm-hmm. to what Matt was saying and uh, how you thoroughly presented this sort of dense teaching. Um, really, really enjoyed how you... Um, referenced all those themes out of it so thank you i don't have anything else to add thank you yeah there is you could probably spend another hour (laughs) on this very easily uh because again it's you know it it pulls all the teachings right in here Mm -hmm. thank you jane good evening Good evening. Thank you for the teaching, Ram. Um, I'm just inspired by the fact that I have, by what I hold in mind, I can make every moment an auspicious moment. Yes. And I, I like your term, um, dysfunctional strategies. I mean, it's a hell of a lot easier than using those dysfunctional strategies to try to change the world and to make it the way I want it. Yeah, um, yeah. I used to I used to hate that word dysfunctional because it gets thrown around so much. But frankly, that's what we do. You know, we are failing to function properly. So, so thank you. You're welcome, Laura. Thank you, Ron. <laughs> um, Yeah, lately I've been just struggling with maybe how to respond best to certain situations, again, with like people in my family or things that I'm hearing about Mm. on the news that are disturbing. Um, Stressful. Yeah, stressful. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, and I know I hear it all the time, but I guess it kind of is clicking more tonight that... um, the, my problem is that I keep clinging to people or things or ideas that that are I think are permanent, and I'm because I'm doing that I'm not able to respond properly. But mm-hmm. if I can just develop this awareness and informed, um, you know, mindfulness that you know everything is changing, like evolving all the time, every split second, then I think I'll. Be able to, you know, respond better 
in a dispassionate way. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I know that these are things that I'm, we're constantly talking about, yeah. the teachers and John, but yeah, thank you for the reminder. And, and these situations, you know, won't stop coming. No. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, that, yes, um, getting out of the dysfunction and, and, you know, not taking it personally is just, that's, that's the biggest thing, you know, getting, you know, stepping back, you know, getting, getting yourself, getting yourself out of it, right. um, which is difficult to do in, in family situations. It's the toughest thing. It's absolutely the toughest thing. Um, yeah. you know, whether it's you know your 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 family as in you know the family you were born into or you know later in life the family that you have created uh, you know which blends into the family you came out of but still it that hits that that sense of identity so strongly it it is so you know, that thorn is in there deep. Right. You know, so, uh, but, you know, you have, you have the path, you have the practice. So, keep at it. <laughs> Thank you. I forget your name again. Shane. Shane. So, I'm, I'm pretty new to this concept, mm -hmm. right? So, it, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but it boils down to, for me at least, that it's a, um, perception of control right so I can't control any of the external stimuluses that's making me feel any particular way right mm -hmm. so but what is the like, what is the best path to not not just avoiding it or, or I'm struggling to find the words right now mm -hmm. just bear with me for a second it's so, so I, I've, personally, I have a lot of anxieties. Right. And I'm constantly feeling that I'm being chased by those anxieties mm -hmm. instead of me. Like I always think of uh, Indiana Jones, the big boulder. You know what I mean? I'm, uh -huh. I'm always yep. running from the boulder. Yep. Right? And in the movie, he, he gets just, run over by You the just boulder. got the jewel in your hand, and sure enough, there comes the boulder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, what's, what, is, what is the enlightened... Um, what is the enlightened technique to avoid that? Because I can't, I, I can't control everything around me at, at all times. Mm -hmm. I can't control whether or not um, I'm, if my, my job is stressing me out or if it's something I'm seeing on the news or any, or even, even it's like a physical ailment. Like mm -hmm. say if I sprain my ankle, right. I can't control that my ankle is, right. is hurt right now. But you still have somewhere back there is the urge that you should be controlling this. You should be on top of that. Um, it's... That too is a... It, it challenges your, your sense of who you are in a way. Mm -hmm. Um... It's difficult to deal with with anxiety because um, it um, it gets in there pretty deep in your in your thinking. It it kind of um, you know I've I've spent my 
I've spent my years with, with anxiety, not overt, but looking back now, mm-hmm. I realize that a lot of my, my actions were, were controlled still by anxiety. Um, and, and that word control is, uh, is actually quite important there. Um, because the stress of of this for me was a lot of feeling that it was out of my control but that also meant that I had the urge to to control it mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to come up with a isn't it the pain of fabrication? It is, in a way, the pain of fabrications. Well, that you can't uh, control it. And the, the question of mm-hmm. that you might ask, why can't I control this? The better question is, why would I want to? Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah. it, it, which, which, and, and you're up against also um, impermanence here. You're up against this this well, constantly changing thing. That's that's disturbing. So it's it's the, the illusion of control that is what the I'm illusion thinking. of control is is uh, the first thing to to let go of. Um, well, but the, the the simplistic the simple way is to recognize that it's your need for control that's causing the stress. We're we're starting to get into why why we control. We control because we're ignorant of four noble truths. So the immediate thing, what's what's. What's causing anxiety to you, stress, to you, shame? It's that need to control what's occurring or what mm-hmm. might occur. That's the stress. And, and it's the uncertainty of, of, of any particular outcome. So like yes. I, I mm-hmm. can try my hardest <clears throat> to control every situation that I'm in, yeah. but even best laid plans in my cement often go awry. So even if I do everything in my power, I still do not know that what the outcome is going to be. Right. And that, yeah, that uncertainty. But here, knowing that, here again, all you can do is the best you can do. Yeah, you're trying to do something that is undoable. You cannot control mm-hmm. because you can beat your head through impermanence. Impermanence is there. Everything changes all the time, and so do you. And he asked the question, "What's the path? Yeah. What's the path?" And, and the path is the path is here. Mm-hmm. The path is. The eightfold path, yeah, and it's you know, starting with bringing up the concentration to you know, little by little, so that you can see what is going on, so that these constant thoughts are not blinding you from from reality. These this constant urge of having to. Um, control things it, it blinds you because you cannot you can't see the uh, the flow of life yes anymore. and the Dhamma can the Eightfold Path can liberate you from that blindness that's the, that's the point so it's, it's a rather direct thing to do to recognize this in this moment this is I making the need to control something so the the act of developing the Eightfold Path is a very gentle and direct way of addressing that anxiety you don't have to get into the analysis of it and how 
awful it is, how difficult it is, how screwed up you are. All that is, is nonsense. What's occurring right now in your mind, Shane? That's, that, that is what's most important. And as you're developing the dollar, it becomes ever more clear to you that it is your quality of mind in this moment that's determining your experience of this moment. Mm -hmm. So if you really want control I've, of your I've mind, noticed that it's resting in concentration. I've noticed that as more and more I've gotten back into meditation, it gives me a little bit more of a buffer yes. between mm -hmm. me and my my own thoughts. I'm yes. not, yeah. Like I was telling Matt before that, like sometimes I feel like I'm in the the river and fighting the current, and then yep. when I'm, mm -hmm. I'm above it, watching it from afar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So focus on that part where you come above it, because it really isn't. It, it it it's we're not dealing with with every single thought we ever had and that we have to resolve it. It's one thought in this moment. Mm -hmm. What's occurring right here and right now? Am I taking this moment personally or am I not? If I'm fabricating it, if I want it to be different, then I'm in trouble. So let go of the control of this moment through the more uh, skillful control of concentration. Okay. And you'll find as you as you allow yourself to to let that go, you'll actually have a more vision as to what is really going on around you and in you, and um, be more energy to deal with because you're not constantly fighting something. Yeah. You're going to constantly trying to suppress something, trying to try and control something. After a while, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, this is working. So, so my understanding is, so uh, dukkha is, it's basically, it's uh, inherent. So like I, no matter mm -hmm. how hard I try, I'm going to, like, the most basic one is, is aging. So I'm going mm -hmm. to get old and I'm going to die. So yep. there's no avoiding that. Yep. Right. Oh, if you're fortunate, you will. Yeah. You'll have a full human life, but there's no guarantee. It's, so it's, it's, it's less about worrying about the outcome and, and just uh, being present. And yes. Yeah, because it, it, the, any minute you spend worrying about the fact that you're going to die... Uh, it doesn't change the you, outcome. Yeah. yeah, A, it doesn't change the outcome, and B, it takes you out of uh, where you are right now. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you you don't see that little sparrow, you know, hopping down the, the sidewalk, you know, <laughs> which is a wonderful thing to see. Uh, but if you are worried about, you know, some car maybe coming around the corner and, and wiping you off the sidewalk, uh, you miss that. Mm -hmm. So, you know. There is no control. You know, there's always this bus that's going to come around the corner. Um, but if you have your you eyes ask, open, you know, can I just say something? Also, if you're experiencing that type of thing, like anxiety, it's not like you don't have to sit down and meditate for 20 minutes. You can, you can just make yourself be present right now. You know, maybe you need to take like you know 10 deep breaths, concentrating mm -hmm. on the breaths, just to make mm -hmm. yourself be present. Mm -hmm. And then you'll see like it, it, it would, ha it will help. It'll, it'll it'll connect your your mind to your to yourself to your mm -hmm. body, you know, so that you're not like scattered, <coughs> wanting something to be different or trying to cling to something yeah. that's uh, not. You my know? my biggest issue, my internal monologue is pretty slippery. So if I can catch it mm -hmm. before it starts running away from me, yeah. exactly. Well, yeah. that's yeah. like a good way to. Yeah, <laughs> that's what yeah. concentration. Yeah, yeah. pull it right back. You're, you're yeah. developing that. That's but frame mm -hmm. your internal dialogue with the hardwood of the Eightfold Path. Okay. Nothing mm -hmm. comes out unless it's run through, filtered through the Eightfold Path. 
and, right and meditation is it's like um, developing a muscle you know you're developing a, a habit and you're starting it in little bits uh, but in meditation even you know the five minutes a day that you that you can do at, at, at this stage um, allows you to slowly slowly use that in every every minute thank you guys they're on the way thanks Shane great questions mm -hmm. Michael well I've been in that same situation where I uh, do projects try to fix my car or whatever and mm -hmm. uh, obviously uh, I'm not a mechanic so I only know some things, you know, mm -hmm. I can figure some things out. And of course I get frustrated and I have a tool I might throw it 30 yards away. <laughs> <laughs> then yeah, go, go find it. Because you're going to need it again. And then I have to buy a new one. It costs twice as much as the old one. So it's, uh, once, uh, so just like listening to this, and obviously we've all gone through this, but uh, I kind of have a different perspective on things now. Uh, I see like, uh, I'm a firm believer that once we're in a self-referential self mode, our quality of mind is going to be poor. Mm -hmm. Because we're never going to be able to keep things right all the time because life occurs mm -hmm. and our quality of mind is going to rise and fall with whatever it is that occurs if we are attached to these feelings, which obviously are the aggregates, okay, mm -hmm. the aggregates in every form, okay? So once, if we're attached and identifying with the ego self, uh, we're doing a, a job on a car or our house, wherever, well, chances are we're going to, we're going to experience some sort of anguish or stress during mm -hmm. this process. Uh, so I look at it like that. It's, a, it's recognizing the role of the ego self here and mm -hmm. its uh, attachment to the aggregates and of course we have to be logical about this if I'm going to try to take apart an engine and I don't even have a manual or whatever it is then chances are this is a pretty good uh, environment for stress and suffering to occur mm -hmm. so again uh, awareness and it's awareness of the self-identification because when we have, again, self-identification, that's the environment for stress and suffering to arise. So, now, Michael, can I ask you a question? That was beautiful. And, and this may be way too personal, just tell me. And so first I'll ask you, is it okay if I ask you a question about what you previously did for a living? It's fine. It's fine. I have no problem. So, I know you weren't practicing the Dhamma when you were running into burning buildings, but when you think about it now, what was that like? Re reflecting on you facing the immediacy of a burning building, because that's a different kind of stress that most, well, you know, hardly anybody ever experiences that. Well, uh, there's no, you know, anyone that tells you like uh, when the alarm goes off at 3 a.m and uh, you're getting multiple calls on something that you're not going to be nervous or to what you're going into. You know, they're lying. Or anyone that tells yeah. you, like, uh, 
says, oh yeah, I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not hesitant about going into a burning building or anything like that. They're, they're not being truthful, I would think, you know. But we are there, you know, to do a job. So my thing was, was, well, I'm going to try to keep my wits about me, you know. And I, I was an officer, so I, I took guys in. So uh, I can't be, I have to be composed or else I can't lead them. You know? Despite the situation, you had control of your mind. Yes, basically did, I stayed with it, yeah. to the best of my ability I did, yeah. I and so yeah, that's both a metaphor, I and mean, that's both the actual experience of life as life occurs, but the metaphor for what we're doing. We're running into these burning buildings that, that in the past might cause us stress, but we can have the, 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 we can develop the courage that Michael naturally had to do his job, and we can bring that into our Dharma practice. Yeah, and, and there's, change, there's situations. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt. But change, you're, you're showing that by you being here mm. and asking these questions. And if you look at the metaphors of mm. an automotive without any training, of course you've had the training of years of experience to lead people into a fire and to think that you can find enlightenment without training in the Sangha, in the example of the Buddha, this is our this is our program yeah this is this is without diligence then when you step away from the practice you fall away from the mindfulness therefore you're hit with the hindrances of doubt of sense desires and you fall back into you know old conditioned habits it's function Dysfunction. One thing about this uh, this whole uh, discussion we have here is uh, um, Julie had just mentioned it before about you know um, recognizing your environment, okay, or recognizing what's at hand, okay. Mm -hmm. And John, you also mentioned this. Recognize the not self in all of this, you know. If you recognize, oh, I'm getting angry, you know, my mind is like, I, it's consuming me. Because I know how consuming it can be in mm -hmm. frustration. So, mm -hmm. so recognition of that, okay, and recognizes that that's not me, that's mine, that's not who I am. But in actuality, believe that because it truly isn't. When, when we say that it's not me, not mine, not who I am, it means that like now we're not identifying with the aggregates. We can step back and and work through this with a clear mind without being att without attachment. Okay? So it's a recognition of what we are not in that moment that enables us to maintain calm and peace in that moment. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, coming back to your <clears throat> your previous work, um, in a way, you were fortunate because you were in situations where you couldn't afford to walk around in the fabrication because it would have killed you, you know, the and the guys around you. Mm -hmm. Present, yeah. yeah. So it's it's you know there's a um, um, the benefit there is that that you've had um, this crash training in. In concentration, sure, sure. Yeah. and the guys that didn't get it didn't make it out of the building. A lot of times, you have to be focused. Yep, 
For me, the mantra for for a long time was, "Is this really important?" Exactly. <laughs> or, uh, is there anything I can do about this? Yes. Mm, no. Sometimes okay. I tell myself, "What's, what's my on. lesson here?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. Let's figure that out so that maybe I can continue <laughs> moving forward. You know, instead right. instead of like concentrating on not wanting this thing to happen, or oh, you yeah. know, hmm? so what do yeah. I have to do? Let's figure this out, and then we can move forward. You know. I, t- I tell my students a lot that because I, I, I have students who have a lot of depression and anxiety and mm-hmm. I try I try to tell them you know about I, I try to make them meditate with me sometimes right. sit down and just meditate or take a you know take a breath cleansing breath you know just so that their minds can be back in their body because they have a lot of stress they have trauma stress mm-hmm. you know some mental disorders and a right. lot of anxiety for things so. Yeah, it helps. but it, isn't it wonderful if you have just the smallest opportunity to to have somebody step out of that yeah, for exactly. a little bit? Yeah, uh, I, I, I tell them often, you're making it personal. Mm. Like this is a personal thing that's happening because it's it's you. It's because of you. It's happening to you, mm-hmm. and it, it's not. It's yeah. not. It's not just because it happens to everybody. One of my students the other day was saying to me, "I just want to live a normal life." And I said, okay, so what does that look like? Yeah, and then Define normal, please. Pretty much he described some kind of Disney movie because everything is perfect. And I said, uh-huh. is that really life? Yeah. Is that the way you see life? I said, who do you know in your life around you that has that life? Yeah, who's not, lying, who's who's not lying, lying through his teeth? Yeah, there's, there's nobody around that's like that. I said, okay, so understand that 
this is life. Mm -hmm. But you, it's how you manage yourself. You know how you how how you how you move through it. Mm -hmm. You know. Yes. How old was the kid? She's like seventeen. Yeah, so just when the see, life starts, it's a good example out. of how a, a human being becomes conditioned into believing something should be a certain way. Yeah, exactly. That has nothing at all to do with her. No, exactly. Well, all in her head, she decided what was. Yeah, exactly. She needed to be okay, and it wasn't even achievable. No, mm -hmm. I, and then she started. She recognized it, and I said, "Well, okay, do you know anybody that's like that?" And she's like, "Well, mm, not really." Yeah. I said, "Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we all have stress." <laughs> This is a stressful place. <laughs> that's why we're here. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here, probably. You know. So she's like, "Yeah, that's true." Yeah. Just open the news; you'll see it. <laughs> you know. So close it up again. You don't need right. to look at that. Why bother? Thank you. Thank you, John. Yeah, thank you, Rob. Just another remarkable teaching. Um, this whole this three class structured study on dukkha is just. Um, it answers all the questions that humanity has been asking since the beginning of time, mm -hmm. as long as the questions are focused correctly. Why? Yeah. <laughs> What's really happening here? And it's dukkha. It's a preoccupation mm -hmm. with wanting my life to be different than it is. And you can go out throughout history, if history really occurred, and the reason why I'm saying that is the only thing I really know that's occurring is this moment. Mm -hmm. This is the moment. It has nothing to do with the past, it has nothing to do with the future, that I can't control. And what can I control about this moment? What I think about myself in relation to what's occurring. Do I think you're all a bunch of this and that? Or do I think this way? Am I happy to be here? Am I learning something? Is there something value here? Am I at peace? Am I being gentle with myself? Am I well concentrated? Yes. And it's a wonderful moment. And it's because of the Dhamma that we can all have these moments. We can be present for our life in an incredibly ordinary way. That's life. Dukkha occurs. No matter how it manifests, it's got nothing to do with me. Unless I want it to be different, that's right. it has everything to do with me. Thank you. Thank you. David? To go back to Brian, misunderstanding of change and how that drives everything. And everyone, I think, settles for an intellectual understanding of change. But really, this whole practice is to develop insight to the three marks and to really, truly understand our, this attachment to, that, that we understand change, but we don't really accept it. Mm -hmm. We spend our life fabricating to hold on to some sort of permanent self which, of course, causes the dukkha. So this practice is simply to develop that insight, and that can only be done through the Eightfold Path. And we were talking before class, what's that second sit for? That second sit is to develop that refined mindfulness so you can see that hindrance, and you can see that You're fooling yourself. So, again, this tight little sutta just has it all for you. But it, it does mean to get to that insight 
that you don't get from a flash of light. It's from this slow, diligent practice. So, thanks, Dave. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Bye. Um, thank you for the teaching. Really good to hear the discussion here tonight and mm -hmm. hear from everybody. Um, these three, the stress of pain, the stress of fabrication, the stress of change, in that we see who's responsible for stress. It's all self-inflicted. Stress of change and stress of pain are just a part of life. The stress of fabrications are our contribution to that stress that's inherent. So the path of practice leading to the cessation of stress, our contribution to stress is this Noble Eightfold Path. So if we, if we really, we don't have to wonder. Our stress is self-inflicted. The jury is in. <laughs> yeah. and, and so how do, we, how do we recognize and abandon that self-inflicted stress? Through developing the Eightfold Path. I have met the enemy and it is me. <laughs> uh, before you finish, just a Two quick announcements. We have a couple of beds left for our <coughs> retreat, I think four. Um, and Saturday we're going to begin a 14-class structured study on wise restraint that leads directly to our retreat on wise restraint, the foundations of the Buddha. Okay. Nice little package. All right. Thanks, Rob. Uh, thank you all for your contributions. Thank you, Rob. Thank you very much. And we shall end. The Karaniya Metta Sutta. Take a minute to slow down and center. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. May all beings be at ease, whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so, with a boundless heart, should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outward and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. 
This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you, Thank you bro. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.